I'm Dave. I'm William. And this is the Digital Marketing Lab Podcast. And we'll start off today with the quote of the day. This quote is from none other than J.K. Rowling. It says, it is impossible to live without failing at something unless you live so cautiously that you might as well not have lived at all, in which case you fail by default. All right, this is part three of our bootstrapping series, starting from zero. If you're doing it all yourself, building a website from scratch. In our previous episodes, we started from zero. Uh, We covered everything from picking out a domain name to actually getting your website hosted uh, and then getting WordPress installed and picking out a theme. From there we went to episode two of this series and we talked about site structure and getting a battle plan basically on paper before we even started building our pages, being very strategic uh, so that we don't waste time and get everything kind of gets messy once you start building. It's better to have a battle plan ahead of time. And now we're finally to the point of the third section of this series, building our website. So we've got our domain name, we've got it hosted, we've got our battle plan on paper, we know what our site structure is, we know what our content, our cornerstone content's gonna be, then we know what our categories are gonna be, and then we know We have a good idea of what our blog posts are gonna be. They're gonna support those categories which support our cornerstone content pages. An example we've been using so far has been a website for a recording studio. So let's get on to the build. So you've got your your head terms, you've got your categories, you've got your tags, you're good to go. Let's create the pages. Click the page, add new page. You could use a builder. You're gonna wanna use long form on this page so this cornerstone page you're gonna want to talk pretty generically you don't want to talk too niche you'll use your niche language for your blog posts but you want to talk pretty broadly about your your head term but you're gonna want to do it in long form when we say long form we're talking thousand to two thousand words you can use um, short form in some of your posts about specific things but these these cornerstone pages there needs to be enough for Google to say, okay, this is the main page about that cornerstone keyword. Yep, absolutely, guys. You wanna make sure that there's enough there uh, that it's actually gonna be ranking by Google. Uh, At a minimum, you you were talking about a thousand words here, minimum. The other thing to keep in mind as you're going through and you're starting to build these pages, if you've installed the Yoast plugin like we previously discussed, you're gonna be able to establish your keyword for those cornerstone content pages. And you're also gonna be able to put in your metadata about those pages, specifically about the content. Now, something to keep in mind here is a lot of people, when they see the meta content, they're thinking 2005 meta. This is 2018 meta. You're not putting a bunch of crap in there and just a bunch of keyword garbage to think that there's a dumb robot who's gonna read this. You need to put actionable, real content in the meta because it's actually gonna be read by real people and Google's algorithm has gotten a lot smarter and they're looking for real content and they can discern between garbage content and, and 
the real stuff. So you want to keep that in mind. So if you think about it, your meta is basically your UX to the client. It's basically the facing on your ad. So when you're in your Yoast plugin, for the most part, it's already generally set up, but you are going to need to click on XML sitemaps and breadcrumbs. You've got to click them both on. But when then when you're in a page and a post, below your, your text box um, editor, you're going to have that meta section. You're going to use the meta titles. Here's where you can use uh, two, three uh, H1s. With the title of a page, you only ever use one H1. And then you're going to want to try to use that title in the document somewhere. With the metas, you can use, you definitely want to use the, the one H1 from the page, but you also want to talk about the article or uh, say your business name and a phone number. Um, it, this is, does not become a part of your searchability. It's the, it's the UX to the client. It's the facing. It's what tells them exactly what this link is about. And you want to be truthful. You don't want to keyword stuff. It doesn't help you anyway. You just want it to be accurate and, um, and you want to use up all the space so that you push your competitors uh, down below you. And especially guys, if you are building a site and your business is service related, like uh, say it's a tow truck company or it's a moving company or something that someone typically, they might be in an emergency situation when they're trying to contact you, you want to make sure you get that phone number on the, the top of that link description because Half the time, people might not even click the link. They just want the phone number. They can click that phone number, and boom, you've got the sale right there. So non-clickable searches are going way up. We, we are able to see those types of things in uh, the programs we use. Uh, it's going way up. People are seeing what they need, getting the phone number, clicking over to the phone, and making a phone call. And, and when you're making your metas and your meta descriptions, use the pipe, that straight up and down line. It takes less space on a computer than the dash. That's why you see the pipe. Um, we're a major component, of, a, a proponent of using the pipe. That's why you use the pipe because it uses less space. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and speaking of phone number and search results, another major factor that you want to keep in mind as you're building these pages is a mobile-first approach. Google has made it very clear that mobile is where it's at right now and they're going to penalize folks who don't have a mobile optimized website or mobile friendly they've got a free tester out there so as you're building your pages you can actually test it as you go along they will tell you if there's any issues with it uh, so you can know right away what kind of changes you need to make and this is where it's going to take some work you might have to dig a little deep to figure out what those issues are and how to resolve them but for the most part, Google gives you an awesome starting point using the, the mobile-friendly tester that's available online. So, you know, Google released uh, what they call Mobile Get-In in 2015. It's been out since 2015. Um, except for they weren't really penalizing sites that just looked trashy from the phone. I can't tell you how many times I did a search and found a site that just looked like trash. It, like, just wasn't yeah. optimized. It didn't... It wasn't responsive, and so if your site is not responsive for the phone, you have to, have to, have to get it remade now. You are not going to be in the search much longer. Most sites that are built now, if they're built in a premium pre, uh, uh, theme, and most of the good themes out there that most people use are responsive, you're for the most part okay, but you still have to eye check every single page and make sure it's big and, and in your face and perfect for the phone. Google wants that, they want speed. One of the ways you can worry about speed and, and look is make sure your images are not oversized. You're, you're shrinking your images as far down as you can, keeping them down in the kilobytes, the low end of the kilobytes. 
um, and just making sure that you're optimizing images, you're not using to, uh, more than one H1 in your text, and you'll see when you're in the builder, you'll see where it says paragraph H1, H2, H3, using several H2s in each page to talk about um, additional information. This is going to help Google to understand more about the content when you've got a good H1, several good H2s, and then the paragraph information in there, a thousand words. Google will be, Google spiders, uh, the millions of spiders that they have crawling your sites, and even the big, the major updates, the, the panda crawler, and, um, and the other major um, updates, penguin. the penguin and um, mobile geddon, those are always crawling and always, they're continuously crawling. And so you want to do it right at the beginning. You don't want to get penalized. It could take a long time to get back in a search and you may never even enter the search. Yeah, so talking about page loads, I mean, you know as a user that if you're trying to find a specific website and you click on one and it's taking too long to load, that you're going to bounce. You're going to leave and you're going to find another website that loads faster. So how do we check that when we're building our pages? There's a couple of different ways. The primary one that we use is tools.pingdom.com. It's free online. You can put in a URL. It will test it. It will let you know how your media is popping up, how long your load times are taking to show up. Google has their own uh, page load tester that you can check as well. I know a lot of developers like to use that. But you will go to that website and you'll just punch in the URL and from there you can get an idea of how long your uh, site is taking to load. And uh, William, what's, where, what's our goal for page load time? So make sure you're pinging it from the U.S. because I've been really frustrated with sites when I was pinging it over the ocean and then I realized that I was pinging it from over the ocean and it was adding like two seconds. And, and so then I started pinging it from the U.S. and I was like, oh, okay. Uh, you know, I'm hoping to God that Google is, is going to be pinging our sites with the, the most advanced fiber optics out there on the planet. I don't know how they're going to check our site speeds because it really is very... Um, it's so much determined by um, site speed, data plans, and all of those things on how fast a site's, you know, how fast can they download the information. Yeah. How Google checks that, I don't know. But what we want to shoot for, the, the goal is less than a megabyte and a half. The mm -hmm. goal in speed is less than three seconds. Yep. Um, it's going to be very hard to do, especially with a Divi theme that already comes out of the package at two seconds. Yeah. So this is the trade-off. You got to have functionality. You got to have a, a site that sells. You got to have original content and a unique value proposition. At the same time, you got to have that functionality and have all of that in a quick enough time where the client doesn't hit back up and go to the next link down. Yeah, and if you are using a theme like Divi, we'll dig deeper in future episodes on how to strip out some of the unnecessary information to get those uh, load times down as low as possible for that. Um, but that is definitely a key factor to keep in mind. All right, that about wraps it up for the third installment of our Bootstrapping It series. If you guys have any questions, you can reach out to us. Dave at nozakconsulting.com. That's N-O-Z-A-K consulting or William at nozakconsulting.com. We welcome any questions. We'd be happy to talk to you guys and stay tuned for more good information on everything WordPress, web development, and online marketing. For now, I'm Dave. I'm William. And this is the Digital Marketing Lab Podcast.